0: Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Superachievers. Today I'm interviewing Liz Kislick. Liz is a management consultant, executive coach, TEDx speaker, and regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. Welcome, Liz. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Christina, I'm so happy to be with you.
0: Well, I love this topic. I could have used it many, many years ago. So before we get into the topic, though, I would love for you to share uh, your background and what brought you to this moment in
1: life with listeners. Very good. So I am a management consultant and executive coach, and I also write quite frequently for Forbes and for Harvard Business Review. And I got to this place by doing a lot of work and also by observing what was happening around me. Uh, When I graduated from college, I didn't want to go to grad school the way all my friends were doing. I wanted to work because I felt like it was at work that you could make things happen. And after some Interviewing around, I took a job with a company that I had worked with uh, summers when I was in college because I was able to start at a more senior level. I was hired to be an account executive in a marketing firm, marketing agency, and it was small, it was privately held, and so I was very lucky because every six months. I got a promotion because I kept looking for the things that weren't being done and just started taking care of them. And so then, you know, the management would figure out and would promote me into another job. And I had all kinds of different work there and saw the sorts of things that just go wrong over and over and over, no matter what your role is. So. When the owner of that agency died and there were some changes in ownership, it seemed right for me to leave. And and by then, I was actually executive vice president of the agency and had been there for eight years. I was still quite young, but I had a a good reputation in the industry and um, other... Consultancies were subcontracting to me within a week after I left. Wow! And, and I've been just doing it ever since. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so it sounds like uh, you
0: have been a super achiever forever. <laughs> Kudos on that one. And um, I, I would say a hard worker and lucky. Yeah. Well, we. I, I like to think too that we also make our luck a little. Oh, I agree. Right? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos on all of that. And also um, on being observant about the way other people work, what works well, and then turning that into helping other people as a career. So I love that. Yeah. Now, along those lines, you specialize in helping people handling uh, conflict at work. And our listeners come from all walks of life, but I'm sure all of them have a job (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure we have entrepreneurs. We've got college students. We've got you know professional office workers. What advice do you have
1: for handling conflict at work? Generally speaking, the first thing is not to be afraid, because we actually have conflict even when there's nobody else there. You know, we disagree with ourselves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Right? Yep. so And sometimes we're not sure what to do, or we say things like, one part of me wants to do A, but one part of me wants to do B. And that can be stressful for sure, but it doesn't require the kind of agitation, anxiety, and fear that comes from thinking that somebody is out to get you. Think of it more... Even with complex and expensive things, you want to go see a comedy and your buddy wants to go see a drama. Mm. There are different reasons that different people want different things, and that's just normal and that's the human condition. And so if you can get curious about it and really try to understand it before you, you sort of put your armor on, you can often work out things in so many ways with all different kinds of people before it actually feels like you're in a fight. So the first thing is really to look at what is going on here and not assume that your reaction to it is the whole thing. Then the next thing is You can be curious in your own head, you can be observant, you can be attentive, but then it makes sense to engage whoever else is involved in the conflict and to learn more explicitly what their concerns are, what they care about, what their fears are, and that's a big one because it's the fear that makes us reactive, Um, what they think may go wrong, why they think they're not getting what they want, all of those kinds of questions. And if they see that you are calm and measured and trying to understand, in most cases, they're much more likely to level with you. And then you learn something about what the real background is in a way that then lets you make choices about what you want to do. How do you want to respond? Do you want to come back with a change in your position? Do you want to give them more data about why your position is valuable to them, to the organization at large, etc. But the first thing is to ask questions so you can learn a lot about what's going on with the other person. And that means being able to hold yourself in check whether you're fearful or angry or anything else, so it's about um staying composed, listening all the time, and then being thoughtful. And you can say, oh, that's so interesting. I hadn't understood that that was the way you were feeling about it, or I didn't realize that those were your concerns. Let me think a little bit about how I can best respond to that. You don't even have to answer right away. You can actually go away and think about, oh my goodness, what should I do now? What's the best course of action?
0: I like that you say that because so often uh, people feel like they need to respond in the moment.
1: There are times when you do. You know, there are times when, I hope your audience has not observed this, but I certainly have observed times when one individual is actually behaving in a bad way toward other people in a meeting, uh, being denigrating, being nasty, that kind of stuff. Then you have to respond in the moment. If you want to stand up and encourage them to cut out that behavior and let's all work on this together. But in terms of the real content you very often do not have to respond in the moment. It's, you know what it's like, Christina? It's like when somebody asks you a question and you actually don't know the answer and you're better off saying, oh, let me research that and I'll come back to you with a solid answer. Exactly. Then faking it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, right? So so oftentimes, we're making assumptions. We're not engaging the other person. I can't tell you how many times in my personal and professional life, someone's come to me and says, can you believe what so and so did? And I'm like, well, have you talked to them? They're like, no. (laughs) Right? So actually asking questions and then realizing that you don't have to have a response in that moment. It's okay to say, wow, you know, I didn't look at it that way. Let me get back to you on this. I need to think about it. So taking that breather.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. An, another thing that is really important if the conflict is happening in a triangulated way that is it's not just you and another person but it's you and your colleague and your boss or you're the boss and two people who report to you are having conflict. One of the things that strangely does not work is to do the thing that we used to think was the sort of fair and balanced thing, in which one party is gets to say their piece to the senior person, and then at a different time, the other party gets to say their piece. It actually uncovers more content and makes it more likely that a good judgment can happen If both of the opposing parties are together with the third party and you all talk it out.
0: Yeah, very much so, right? So, along those lines, because I know people, as you stated, are scared, how can they overcome this fear that everyone has when it relates to conflict? And then the second part of that question is how can they hold themselves in check during the process? What do
1: you recommend? Okay, so there are two answers to both of those questions, and they're very related. One of them is physical, and it's about managing your body. Mm -hmm. And the other of them is more psychological, emotional, and it is about managing your thoughts and responses. And I'm going to talk about the body first, because very often, our body is reacting before the rest of us is. Yeah, You know, so you see either somebody um, losing their neck because they're crunching their shoulders up or the arms cross or they roll back in their chair. Any of those things where the body knows I don't want to be here. The body's already in fight, flight, freeze, something like that. So one of. The best ways I know of releasing some of that and coming back to yourself, you have to get back into your body fully, is to feel your feet in your shoes. Um, This is much easier, by the way, if you're not wearing a very high heel, which some people do. But if you can feel literally the pressure of your toes against the soles of your shoes or against the floor if you're working from home. Um, And then rock back on your feet, standing or sitting, and feel your heels. And actually feel your feet. That grounds you again in your body. And if that's not enough to break the momentary tension, there's a kind of exercise where you do something that triggers each of your senses. So you might feel your feet in your shoes and you might look across the room and notice some art on the wall or a plant or something out the window. And you can actually think, do I smell anything? Do I taste anything? What am I hearing? And as you go through your senses, it stops the chain of fearful reaction. Mm. Or at least it slows it down a little. Yeah,
0: Gets you know? the brain focused on something
1: else. <laughs> yes, and that's excellent um, for helping you gain control of yourself, whether you're afraid of what you might say or you're afraid of what you might hear. The psychological part is more complex in the sense that it is more different for everyone. One of the things is actually to evaluate what you're afraid of. So for example, it's so funny um, how in so many workplaces, at clients all over the place, I interview a lot of staff and very often someone will use the phrase that they or someone else got in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> or someone will get in trouble, which sounds like something that happens to you when you're 11. Yes. <laughs> but we still react out of that. Well, what does that really mean? The likelihood that whatever's being said or that what you are about to say is actually going to get you fired is very small. So that kind of existential fear. It's actually inaccurate. What is the thing you are afraid of? That someone is unhappy with you or that they're angry with you or that you'll make them angry? You can actually check that. You can say to some, you have to think about it and you have to gather up your courage to do it. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing, but with practice, it gets easier. You can say, oh, you look angry, Joan. I'm I'm concerned. Have I said something that angered you? And actually check. Yeah. Because when you do that, most people will say, Oh, no, no, no. I'm concerned about this. And they go back to talking about what their position is. And the very fact that you were willing to ask actually reminds them they're not supposed to be angry with you. The problem is the problem. Mm. The people are not the problem. Oh, I like that. That's a big deal. It is. Yes. Because we usually recognize the problem as being the person who's communicating about it or the person who we feel is the source of it. So it's either like a shoot the messenger kind of thing, Mm -hmm. or we think at the bottom of this problem is the person who is doing or not doing something. That's actually not usually the case. There is usually something else going on, and it is not that human being per se. They may be behaving a way we don't like, but that's because of the situation. In a different situation, they might behave differently.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Very Nice, (laughs) great advice. Now, so it sounds like first we want to not be afraid. We're careful about making those assumptions. Instead, we're going to engage the other person or people at the same time, if it is a group, and ask questions. while we're doing that, we're going to hold ourselves in check. What other advice around this do you have?
1: Sometimes you really do have different needs from the people that you're in conflict with. It could be one of those archetypical kinds of sales versus operations conflicts. And your goals really may be different from theirs. Your compensation may be different from theirs. So you may have valid and legitimate reasons not to agree with the thing they wanna do this happens. It's, it's legitimate. I, yeah. I could make a case in a different conversation about whether goals should be set up that way and comps should be set up that way. But, but for now, let's take that as the structure. When you really do have a disagreement that needs to be reconciled, it's very, very helpful to step back from the specific issue and instead look for the values the sense of purpose and any goals that you actually do have in common and find as much common ground as possible so that you're not treating each other like enemies. Mm. You are looking for a mutual solution. Nice. So seek out that common ground. Yeah. Yeah. Love it.
0: Anything else we want to do? One of the
1: things that I like to do, um, either, In the discussion itself, or certainly sometime after, however it works out, is to check with the other people and see how they're doing. See if they're okay. Because, you know, just like I might have been afraid or anxious or even angry, they might be feeling that way too. And because we're good colleagues, it makes sense to make sure that the fabric hasn't been torn. Mm. And that although we disagreed, we recognize that we still really are on the same team for the larger good of the organization. And so afterward, it's not bad to go back and see them, if not that day, the next day, or send a kind email and just say, I wanted to see how you were doing. See if you had any second or third thoughts. Um, Is there anything we need to repair?
0: Oh, I like that is to really check on the relationship. And it depends on the individual, right? So you can be kind of like, a, hey, dude, we good? <laughs> or two way going in and having a, a really in depth conversation based on how you think the individual needs to receive that.
1: That's exactly right. The only thing I would say is most people are happy to be checked with whatever form it takes, more than you would think.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. And sometimes then you learn something new about them that's so helpful for the next conflict. Yeah. Because if it is that kind of sales operations things, you know there's going to be another one in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
0: Well, and I can see too that uh, this could even, by having the courage to... you know, engage the other person and work through the conflict and solidify that you're there to work together, right? I can see how that could even deepen the relationship and improve how you work together in future uh, interactions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right.
0: Wow. So I know we have a huge, this is a huge area to cover (laughs) in a, you know, in a short podcast, but could you share a little bit about the resources that you have for
1: individuals, uh, if they want to dive further into this topic? Oh, sure. Um, if they go to my website, which is com, and I assume you'll put that in the show notes. Of course. Someplace. There is actually a free ebook that they can get that is specifically about dealing with the interpersonal aspects of conflict. And it is full of ideas and tips and techniques, including specific language that you can modify to sound like you um, that can be helpful in conflict. And also, I have loads of material uh, on the website and in a weekly blog and a monthly newsletter. So there's just a lot of stuff there if you want to look through and find content that will help you deal with conflict going forward.
0: Nice. And then you you help companies with this as well,
1: right? Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, a lot of my work is actually facilitating challenging meetings, <laughs> uh, <laughs> helping people work out what they're in conflict about, why it is, and how we can get through it to come up with the best business solution, because sometimes it is about the interpersonal relationship, but more often than not, it's about the way we're conducting business. Mm. And so having that as the larger goal, when you have a third party like me who comes in to make sure that you're talking to each other well, you can often tick through it a lot faster than if you're just going back and forth yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think they also need to check out your TEDx talk on why there's so much conflict at work and what you can do to fix it. Well, thank you. I actually forget about <laughs> <saying> that. <laughs> <laughs> Another great resource. So a lot of great wisdom and there's more research that our listeners can do. Is there a final piece of advice you have for them?
1: You know, Christina, I think the thing is not to feel trapped and lost because when you are confronting a conflict and it is very hard to feel like you've handled it successfully the first few times, even when you are applying some of these techniques, it really takes practice. But There's always something you can do, even if it is saying, let me get more information and then we'll discuss it again. Even if it is finding an exit line so you can go and think better about how to approach the situation, you are rarely as trapped as you feel. And so if you strengthen your sense of how to approach, you can often accomplish what you need to to move the situation along. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Liz. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Liz, visit her website at lizkislik.com. That's L-I-Z-K-I-S-L-I-K dot com. Does your organization need a proven leadership development program? Visit christinaeans.com for more information.